All right, I want you to turn to Titus. Titus chapter 3. It comes right after 2 Timothy and right before Philemon. Uh, page 1068 in my Bible. But anyway, uh, Titus chapter 3. I don't know how many of you, and, and we probably all this way a little bit, we always wonder what somebody else thinks of us. You ever do that? And uh, and we're kind of we're kind of peculiar. We might say, "Well, I really don't care what people think." Well, when it comes to to the Bible and to the truths of the Bible, I don't. I mean, I care. I want them to think just like I do, but I realize that they don't. You know, but it's all right if you you know if you want to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but some might say, well, I really don't care what others think, but uh, would you go to the store looking like you looked when you first got out of bed in the morning? Of course not. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some of them look like they just crawled out of bed. But those that grew up in my generation, yeah, I, I know you care. You, you, you don't want people to see you that way. And uh, my, in fact, you know, we want everybody to love us, but Luke chapter 6 and verse 26 says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers <clears throat> to the false prophets. So all men are not going to speak well of you. And, uh, and that's good. Because if all men speak well of you, something's wrong. But the Bible also says that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. <coughs> And it's not good that you think too highly of yourself. Uh, I was saved at 11 years old, but I can look back on my life and I sure don't think too highly of myself. I don't think highly at all of myself. And you know, you even if you're lost to come to Christ, you cannot think too highly of yourself. <laughs> You have to realize you're lost. You're a sinner. You're in need of salvation before you can even be saved. But here's what I want to know. What does God think of me? What does God think about me? How does He feel about me? I'm, I'm looking at Titus chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8, which says, I put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after... 
But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward all men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly <clears throat> through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now, <coughs> of course, Titus is a short book, just three chapters, but if you read the second chapter, Paul wrote about how believers ought to behave in church. But in this third chapter, he's telling us how believers ought to behave out there, out there where you live, how you ought to behave in your home, how you ought to behave at work, uh, how you ought to behave out there in society, in the stores, when you're in Walmart, or, or Winn-Dixie, wherever you are, how you are to behave there. And uh, what, uh, what God expects of believers and how He wants us to live. Paul said, uh, put them in mind about certain things. He wants us to remember who we are in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and what God expects of us as believers in Christ. So, how does God feel about me? How does God feel about you? <laughs> well, if you look at verses 3 to 6, He thinks you're precious. He thinks you're precious. God is a holy God. And the Bible tells us that He is so pure that His eyes cannot look upon sin. This is why Jesus cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? God turned His face away from Christ because He is of pure eyes and cannot look upon sin, but it wasn't the sin of Jesus Christ, it was my sin and your sin that was upon Him at the time that even made God turn His head away and, couldn't, and wouldn't look. And so Jesus endured that so that God would not have to turn away uh, His head from you and I. But he's pure. He cannot look upon sin. Verse 3 starts out telling us what we were before Christ. Uh, you're, you're like the calendar. You have a B.C. in your life before Christ, before you were ever saved. And then you have a, an A.D. Uh, what is that? An old domini. In the, in the year of our Lord. Uh, but but any, anyway... You have that time in your life. We all do. If you're a child of God, you have a time in your life that was before Christ. 
uh, before you came to know him. And so Paul reminds us what we were. You look at that list that he, he said in verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Were any of you that way? Disobedient. Deceived. Serving divers' lust and pleasures. Paul said to Timothy, in the last days many would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Whatever our flesh calls for. That's the way we were. Living in malice, envy and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's what uh, all of those other qualities or, or sins, not, not qualities, sins, brings in our life. Hateful and hating one another. So that's the way we were before Christ. Uh, before the new birth, the Pope, uh, this I guess it was this past week, declared that sodomites are children of God. But the Pope is a false prophet. Now, if you want to fire me for saying that, uh, you can after the services today. But I've already said it, and I don't take it back. He is a false prophet. You say, well, Brother Howard, you ought to at least respect the office. Can you show me that office in the Bible? <laughs> no. There's no Pope mentioned. He said, I gave some apostles, some uh, uh Pastors, teachers, evangelists, and you can go through the whole list. Pope is not listed. It's not a biblical office. In fact, they say he is the vicar of God on earth. And that's blasphemy because the vicar of God on earth is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God is the vicar. He is the leader. And when you put that title on a man, it's blasphemy. Alright, I didn't intend to get all strung out on that. But uh, he said they were children of God. Adam was a son of God. And then when Adam sinned, he fell. He died spiritually. Body, soul, and spirit. In spirit, he died and then began to die physically, but he died spiritually that day, and then his offspring were not called sons of God or children of God. They were called children of Adam. Sons of Adam. That's what I was before I came to know Christ. But John uh, chapter 1, verse 12 said, But to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. You don't become something you already are. You become something that uh, you're not. You become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. When they trust Christ, they're born again. Born into the family of God. Nobody can put you in there, not even the Pope. Can't put you there. We have to be born again by receiving Jesus Christ. 
but uh, God did something about what we were. We didn't do it. Verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. God did something. What was it? He went to an old rugged cross and died on that cross. What does God think of me? Look at the cross. And you know that cross arm, it, no matter which way, which direction the victim was facing, there was two cross arms. One point in that direction, one that direction. Or maybe it was this way. I don't know. But And this won't hold up in a court of law, but when I look at Calvary and I see those arms outstretched, you know what it says to me? It says, I have loved you from all eternity past, and I will love you for all eternity future. You're mine. I loved you. You are precious to me. I know what you were. And yet, because of my love for you, now He don't love your sin, He don't love my sin, or anyone else's sin. Uh, but He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And brother, that's some commendation. That's something. He didn't say, more. you got to you got to clean up your own life. You have to make yourself righteous. We couldn't do it. We never did it and we can't do it. We're not capable of it. But He did. By His mercy, He saved us. And then He washed us and renewed us with the Holy Ghost. And you know, I like what verse 7 says. It says that being justified by His grace. Justified means that you were made totally, completely innocent. It's more than just forgiveness. You can forgive somebody for a trespass, but you'll never forget it. Isn't that right? Uh, these old minds of ours, that's the way they work. Unless you, whenever you reach my age, you, you can't remember anything anyway. <laughs> you can't, I, <clears throat> I can remember who I went to school with, what their names were, but you ask me what I had for breakfast this morning, I can't tell you. <laughs> but, but justified is more than just forgiven. We say, God forgave me for my sin. Yes, He did. But He justified you. He just wiped the whole slate clean. He can't remember. God can't remember your sin anymore. I've got a note right here. It said, jump over the pulpit. God wiped my slate completely clean and He don't even remember what my sins were anymore. 
He's forgotten all about them. Boy, that's, that's I, you know, I used to read that word in the Bible and I never took time to figure out what it meant, justified. And uh, the way we use it today is totally different from the biblical way yeah. of using it. People want to justify their self. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes people will ask you questions and you can figure it out. Uh, if the answer is already in the Bible... They're not wanting to know what the Bible says. They want you to approve of whatever it is that they're wanting to do. That's, that's the way we are as humans. But, but there's no record of our sin. It's all banished. God says, I will, I will put your sins behind my back and remember them no more. No more. The law of God is satisfied. There's no case against me. Someone to say, well, does that give you an excuse to sin? Absolutely not. Because you still fall under the rule of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. And then you fall under another law, and that's God's law of chastisement. Whosoever the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He'll whip you. Uh, you know, you hear a lot today about privileged, and uh, it's, it's a racial thing. They say, privileged white guy. Yeah. I am privileged. I was, I was privileged to not get a whipping when I was growing up as long as I did what my mom and daddy told me to do. If I didn't do it, then I was privileged to get a good whooping. Amen. Whooping is worse than a whipping, by the way. <laughs> I never heard of it. <laughs> I was privileged to have to come home, and if I wanted to, you know, in an old cold house in the wintertime, if I wanted to stay warm, it was my duty to go out and split some wood and make sure that we had wood to burn in the heater that night when we would all gather around the one heater in the house to stay warm. And you'd usually burn up in there, and then you run to an ice cold bedroom to go to sleep. Now that I was, I was really a privileged child. I mean, you get down to it, I was in a way. <laughs> I had, uh, I was privileged to have an after-school job, where I could buy my own school clothes from the time I was about. 12 years old on up. And in the summertime, when there wasn't no school clothes to buy, I was privileged to be able to take $10 a week and pay it for room and board. Oh, you poor thing. No, I wasn't poor. I got three meals a day for $10. My mama washed my clothes 
and hung them. Now, when she washed, she didn't put them in a machine and push a button. She had one of those old ringer washers, and that was a lot of work. And then hang them out on a clothesline, and then bring them in, and even iron the things. Some of them starched and ironed. I used to, when I was a young teenager, I, I was in love with military uniforms. And boy, I thought, man, look at them things. You could stand them up in the middle of the room and they were so starched, they'd stand by themselves. I said, Mama, that's the way I want mine ironed, if you can do that. And she'd try. And then I had a place to sleep at night. And I got all of that for ten bucks. You can't even buy a hamburger today for $10. You used to see those little old cartoons that said, you know, it'd show a picture of a bum and it'd say, Mr., you got a dime for a cup of coffee? If you had that same cartoon today, that bum would say, Mr., you have $2.59 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> so I was privileged. But we are privileged here on this earth. God thinks you are privileged. Verse 7 says, We are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'm privileged here on this earth. The Lord is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He supplies all of my needs. Uh, he listens when I pray. He's given me a family, church family, that I think loves me unless you fire me at the end of the services today. <laughs> and I love you. We, we went to church last Sunday at a at, a, at the campground where we were staying. And you know what? I mean, it was, it was okay, but it made me appreciate this church. Uh, I won't go into any details. But, but anyway, uh, we're, we're privileged here on this earth. But uh, it's not just while we're on earth he says that uh, we are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the one who wrote that is alive forevermore. Yes, salvation is not just pie in the sky by and by. Uh, it's pie right here and now. But it's also pie in the sky by and by. Uh, we're going to a place that Jesus has made. And not only has He made it, He's there. The Bible says when He raptures us out of here and we go up to meet Him in the air, it says, So shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to see Him. The place where there's no more death. No parting. 
No sorrow over there. Place where there's no more sin. No crooked politicians. No place to vote, Brenda. Nowhere to go to vote. You don't get a vote. You won't need a vote. He's going to do the right thing. <laughs> and we will like it. No sorrow. We, we are a privileged people. But it's not based on whatever color you are because if you know Jesus Christ, I don't care what color you are. You're my brother and you are privileged. You're privileged child of God. Man, what a God we serve. What a God. What a mighty God we serve. And then God also thinks that you're profitable. Look at verse 8. He said, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Now there you go, Brother Howard. You've been saying we're not saved by works, and now he says maintain good works. Yes, but not in order to be saved. Maintain good works because you are saved. And these things are good and profitable unto men. You know, old Satan might follow you around all day and say, Boy, you ain't no good. And he does use that word ain't. <laughs> you ain't no good. You're, you're just wasting your time. <laughs> but the God of heaven says, Keep on keeping on. Uh, those good works you are doing are profitable unto men. <clears throat> he can use your life. He can use your witness. He can use your testimony. He can use your works. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, uh, For we are His workmanship, we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The previous verses says you're not saved by works, but that verse says you are created in Christ Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith, but then you're created unto good works. Listen, God has a vision for you. He has a vision for your life. What you need, <clears throat> or what do you need down here to bring your vision of your life in line with God's vision for your life? That's the big question. It took me a long time to answer that question because I fought what I knew God wanted me to do for so long till I decided that that don't pay. <laughs> you don't, it don't pay you to rebel against God. If God wants you to do something, you better, you, be, you best do it. And old Satan will say, well, man, he can't use you. 
He's, he's not looking for high school dropouts. He's, he's looking for somebody that graduated from the cemetery. That's what he needs. And he needs good-looking preachers. Boy, that would eliminate a lot of us. And he can't use you. You know, you know how shy and bashful you were when you were growing up. He can't use you. He can't do nothing with your life. And God said, just stand back and watch me. Just give me that life. Just surrender that life. And let me show you things that you never dreamed possible. And maybe He's speaking that same words to you today. He's, he's a rascal. Satan is, I mean. And He'll do whatever He can to keep you from surrendering your life to God and, and catch that vision that He has for your life. But if, if you know in your heart that there's a difference between your vision and His vision, then you need to do business with God this morning. If you're here today and you're not saved, God knows there's a way out. There's a way out. And there's only one way out. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by Him. There's no other way. There, there's not the Catholic plan, the Methodist plan, the Presbyterian, the Episcopal the Baptist and the Word of Faith. <laughs> you know, and I know I left out a bunch. Lutheran, Church of God, Church of Christ. There's so many, but there's only one way for salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. He did everything necessary for you and I to be saved. And I invite you come to Him today because He loved you so much that He was willing to die for you. We're going to stand and sing the closing hymn. We invite you today to receive Him as your Savior. You're precious in His sight. Why not make Him precious in your sight? Oh, Peter said to them that believe, He is precious. And I'm telling you that uh, you folks are precious to me also. But they ain't but one, Jesus Christ. There ain't nobody like Him. He's the one and only. And He can be your one and only. He can be yours. Make the decision that the Lord would have you to make as we stand and sing. What number, Kevin? Hymn number 17. Number 17.
and I want to be right and do right with you, and I know these people in this congregation do. And you 2,000 years ago gave your son to die on the cross for us sorry people, Lord. And you need to know that it's easy to do is come to God and repent. Say, I, I'm a sinner. I need you. I can't save myself. We love you, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, just be with us, guide us, and direct us. And thank you, Lord, for every soul that's here today. And Lord, we love you and praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.